Well, good morning, church. Uh, so welcome to Evergreen. And just a moment ago, I found out from some new friends that Evergreen is the uh, third-ranked best church in the city, according to Yelp. According to Yelp, yeah. So we all know what we got to do after the service, right? Those of us who love Evergreen, right? I am competitive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, for Jesus, right? Well, that's exciting. Uh, It's so exciting to just continue to gather. Um, We did have some competition in this room uh, yesterday. Yesterday was the first of many men's annual cornhole tournament. And we want to celebrate the winners because we had some guys seriously. Yes, let's clap it up for our top three teams. Cordell and Scott, also known as Rolling Thunder. How intimidating is that? We had a father-son second place performance from Jamie and Oliver, the Gators. Give it up for the Gators. They only lost once, and they, they, their only loss came to the undefeated team, the champions, the best duo cornholers in Washington County, I believe, Chuck Chuck Goose, made up by Ben Burns and Scott Thomas, and Ben is sitting right over there, so amazing performance. But here's, here's who really won in yesterday's event, yesterday's men's event. We had 47 men who showed up. Thank you for all the men who showed up, but the real winner was the brisket. The brisket took first place, and so um, no one was talking about the tournament or, you know, how good. It was all about the brisket yesterday. So the brisket won, and so a uh, shout-out to Jonathan Kellerman and, and Jesslyn, who helped with putting together the brisket. Thank you so much. The brisket was awesome. And if you're a man and you're like, man, I missed out, it's, we're going to do it again. want to invite you. Men, we want to do life together. There are open small groups happening every week, every other week. And so, men, if you do not have community, we invite you to plug in. Go to our website. Go to the small group page. Talk to me, email me, carlos at ecc4.org. Our hope is that men, we would do life together. And so this is going to be one of many events. Men, the next event is happening in February. Okay, so we'll we'll let you know about that. Um, So today we are going to start a fresh conversation, a fresh series of talks that we are calling Abundance. Everyone say Abundance. And we're going to be talking about living from the overflow. Living from the overflow. This week, this, this was the day after Halloween, so this was Tuesday. I was scrolling through my Instagram stories, and I noticed one of my friends put up their Christmas tree, and it stressed me out, friends. I was having a comfortable Tuesday, and seeing this Christmas tree stressed me out. Why? Because I'm not ready for Christmas. <laughs> I'm not, right? I was thinking about how I, hadn't even, I haven't even created a gift list yet. I don't know all the people that I want to be generous towards. I, I, we haven't even talked about what are going to be our, our family plans. Are we hosting? Should we get the house ready? Is family coming? Family watching in L.A., that would be nice. <laughs> that would save some money, right? Or are we going to travel? Have we budgeted that? Can you tell? Can you tell that I was stressed? Can you tell that I'm still feeling the effects? (laughs) I better relax, right? Seeing this Christmas tree on November 1st, it it did something to me. 
that I'm just going to describe as overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. Have you ever had that experience? Feeling overwhelmed? I think, I think unfortunately, it's, it's an all-too-common experience. And I'm, I'm being silly about the Christmas tree. We are living in a time where studies are showing that Americans, at a record percentage, are feeling stress and anxiety in ways that um, you know, modern history has not shown. Why? Because you and I know that we're living through some difficult times where the economy is shaky, where going to the grocery store can be stressful, where we are still feeling the effects of what the pandemic did to our children, right? They're, they're surveying parents, and parents are very overwhelmed and stressed and concerned for the mental health of their children. And then we turn on the TV and we see wars that are happening that feel so close. And so if you're feeling overwhelmed for, for any of those reasons or for your own personal reasons, today I want us to go into a conversation where we are considering a different experience, opposite of feeling overwhelmed. Today I want us to divide, dive into this experience that I want to call overflow. I believe that God offers us from going from overwhelmed to overflow. And that's going to be our discussion today. And so what I want to do today is I want to offer two different mindsets. I want to define those. And then I want to offer two different habits that I believe will nurture a life of overflow. How many of you already know? Like, hey, I want that. Give me two of those, right? <laughs> we want to live in the overflow and so that's what I want to discuss today. So let's go to God's word. We're going to be reading in 2 Kings. It's going to be on the screen. If you want to mark your Bible for later so you can study it in context, read the whole chapter. There's some amazing things. Here's what you need to know. In, in, in 2 Kings chapter 4, the people of Israel, of Israel are experiencing a severe famine, which means food is very, very scarce. And this happens in that context. In verse 42, it starts, it starts, a man came from Baal Shalisha. Whenever I can't translate a word, I just go into Spanish. That was Spanish right there. <laughs> Everything just defaults, right? Baal Shalisha, bringing the, name, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men? His servant asked. But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. And so I am working with a thesis for this first part of my message, and it's this. Your mindset determines whether you live overwhelmed or in overflowing. It comes down to competing mindsets. And so the first one I'm going to describe, or I've heard it described, this isn't my invention, uh, is scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset is one that says, I never have enough, and I never will. That's scarcity mindset in one sentence. Not having enough, never being enough, 
whether that be time, energy, knowledge, money, things, property, clout, likes, followers, friends, there is never enough. Have you ever met someone that said, hey, you know what, I've actually paused my social media from taking more friends? Right? No, it's never enough. A scarcity mindset, here's what it produces, right? So that's, that's the mindset. Here's what it produces. Feelings of wanting, needing, fear, worry, and envy. Does anyone want that list? No way. And the focus of a scarcity mindset is really a focus on our own limitations and what we lack. That's the focus. The focus is, what do I have, and is this going to be enough? Or what can I get, and is that going to satisfy? That is a scarcity mindset. And we all know that thinking that way, having that kind of focus, can only lead to one thing, and that's being overwhelmed. An overwhelmed life. A life that is in constant competition. Always feels like it's behind. Feeling overburdened, overstressed, overcommitted. Simply put, overwhelmed. And we see this in the servant that we just read in 2 Kings. Because what is his one sentence contribution. He's the one that brings the food, but his one-sentence contribution is, how can I set this before a hundred men? And I can relate to that. Because yesterday, as we were gathering, we started to see more and more men, and I thought about, how can this brisket be enough (laughs) for these hungry, hungry men? Just yesterday, 24 hours ago, I was in a scarcity mindset. And so I want us to stop here, and I want us to consider for, for uh, 30 to 60 seconds, are we, these pair of questions, are, what areas of our life are we experiencing a scarcity mindset? Because I changed, I changed the verbiage, not are you, it's really what areas. What areas in your life in this season do you have a scarcity mindset? One where you are focused on your L's, your L's, your limitations, and all that you lack. Is it in your finances? It is, is it in your, your career projection? Is it in your health? In your marriage? Where do you feel like it's not enough and it's never going to be enough? I want to give you a moment to think about that. Now I want to invite us to just take a deep breath. Because those aren't happy thoughts, right? What if there's a better way? What if there's a better mindset? Well, today I want to propose that there is, and I want to describe it as simply a surplus mindset. I want you to write that down, surplus mindset. And a surplus mindset simply says this, 
God has more than I ever will need, and he will never run out. Notice the focus immediately changes from what you have or they have or, you know, what the world has to offer to what God has. And we know that God has more than enough, and he's never going to run out. This is a mindset that says God has plenty. God's got this. In him and through him, there is more than enough. This is the mindset that creates or gives opportunity for an overflowing life. A life that I define as this, an overflowing life is living under God's endless supply of goodness. That's what it means to live an overflowing life where we set ourselves under God's endless supply of good things. Because we know that God gives the best of things. And I believe that this is what um, King David meant in his very famous Psalm 23, in verse 5, where he said this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, what? Overflows. My cup overflows. What we know about that word cup in the Bible is that most of the time it has to do or it simply means life. And so David is acknowledging, God, my life overflows. I have all that I need. It is more than enough. And I want you to write this down because when God gives, expect leftovers. When God gives, expect leftovers. Can I tell you that at the end of the day, after 47 men ate, we had a tub full of leftover brisket. And I'm here to testify because I took some of that bad boy home, <laughs> right? So I'm praising the Lord. God showed that when he shows up, not only is there enough, but there is leftover. How many of you are looking forward to those Thanksgiving leftovers? Oh, come on. We're going to start a praise party up in here if I go into that, Right? And so here's what I want you to know. In overflowing life, this life of more than enough is the life that Jesus offers us. This is what Jesus came to offer you and me. How do I know? Well, in John 7, beginning in verse 37, it says that Jesus stands up. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, river of living water will flow from within them. And so Jesus says, rivers of living water will flow from anyone who trusts me. Anyone who takes up my invitation will not live a life of want." but live a life that can only be described as rivers of living water. When you think of rivers, do you think of lack? I mean, think about the rivers here in Oregon. I mean, my, by God, I mean, they're just beautiful, right? These rivers, especially this time of the year, after the rains, they are gushing. I mean, there is an overflow. I mean, go to Multnomah Falls, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. I mean, it is overflowing, right? These rivers of living water. Living waters, I, I, I think about how it's alive today. 
the life that Jesus offers us, it's not only abundant, but it's for today. It's for right now. It's relevant now. You can follow Jesus in 2022 and experience this life of overflow. How many believe that? It's for today because Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you all the things that we come up against as human beings on planet Earth are, are designed to still kill and destroy. Not everything, but lots of things. The enemy came to do that. But Jesus came for an entirely different reason. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Notice that language again. To the full. And so an overflowing life is a life that Jesus offers you. That Jesus came to offer me. And so how do we begin to experience this life of abundance? I want to offer two habits. And for the next two weeks, you're going to get another two habits. So uh, come back next week and hear more about these habits. But I want to offer the first two. And the first one is simple. It's recharge with Jesus every day. Recharge. If you want to live a life of overflow, then begin to recharge with Jesus every day. Now, in John 15, 5, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and I in you. That's, that's a picture of recharge. That is a picture of connection. That is a picture of relationship. And it made me think of the experience of owning a smartphone. Is there anyone in this room that doesn't own a smartphone? You, man, you are admired. You are a rarity. How awesome is that? He has not given in to the Apple God. So um, here's the thing. Uh, so, so most of us, except for you, so, so we'll have to sit and chat and have coffee and talk about this in a different way. But we're all going to be able to relate with this. That every night or every morning, for me, it's every night, you do what with your iPhone? You plug it in, right? You plug it in or you set it, because some of you guys are fancy. You got one of those fancy chargers, right? I'm still plugging in. Um, so you do that every night, and um, think about the times when you don't plug it in. What do you do when you look down at your phone and the battery is low? I think, I think anxiety just started to fill in this room a little bit. Like, just the thought of it, right? Hey, I, you know, I, I've worked with students for the last 12 years, and let me tell you what I've experienced with them. They're willing to drop anything for when this phone is running low. I mean, you think students are shy, but they, they will go up to a stranger and say, hey, do you have a portable charger, sir? Do you have a portable charger, ma'am, right? And we do the same thing, right? We will go into a Starbucks inconvenient ourselves so that we can plug ourselves to recharge our phone. Why? Why, why do we do that? Let me tell you what you don't do. You don't look at your, your phone's battery and say, oh, I forgot to charge. I'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> Does, has anyone ever seen that or heard that or experienced that? Has anyone ever said, you know what, I forgot to charge last night, but it's Friday night, and so I'm just going to do it over the, you know, on a Monday. Does anyone think that way? 
a, a few of you rare birds, right? Yeah. Most of us, we don't think that way. Why? Because a smartphone, whether we like it or not, a smartphone in today's day has become what? Pretty essential. It's become part of our lives, right? It's pretty essential. And, I, and this isn't, you know, I'm not arguing for or against. I'm just simply stating that I believe we are now living where we've defined this. We've, our, our habits show that this is now essential, what if we took that same thinking and more and considered our daily recharge, our daily devotion, our daily plug-in with Jesus just, if not more, essential? What if you went through a day and you said, hey, you know what, I didn't spend any time with Jesus today. And instead of saying, I'll get to it tomorrow, you stopped what you were doing Maybe inconvenience your schedule, schedule and spend some time with Jesus. I'm talking to the Jesus followers, right? Because we believe in a daily relationship and an active relationship with Jesus Christ. What if we started to see that daily recharge more essential than our phone recharge? Because we know that a, um, a well-powered phone is nothing better than a depleted soul. We know that having a soul that has spent time with Jesus in prayer, in his word, in conversation, we know that we move from that place in strength. And I don't know about you, but I need that daily. If I'm going to live a life of overflow, I need Jesus daily in my life life. So I want us to start thinking about that. Like we think about our phones. Because um, to live a life of overflow, our souls, our minds, our bodies, they need to be recharged with Jesus every day. And so I want to offer just some practical tips um, on how to better recharge with Jesus daily. I want to offer three things. The first one is increase intimacy. And so when, when I say recharge with Jesus daily, that doesn't mean go to small group. And it doesn't mean go to church. Now, should you be doing those things? I highly encourage them. I think those are good things. But when I think about daily recharge with Jesus, it is a one-on-one sport. It's you and Jesus. It's intimate. Get alone with God. The second thing is we need to eliminate distractions. And if that means unplugging or removing devices, I know that me, if I'm going to study, the study, uh, if I'm going to be um, in God's word, uh, I'm going to have to take this phone and I'm going to have to do this. I've had to do that. It's better if it's in another room, because if I hear it even vibrate, it gets my attention, right? And so when we talk about eliminating distraction, it's doing whatever you have to do to be fully present with Jesus. Now, I I am now learning, being the father of a two-year-old, that kids just changes the game, right? Like, how often can we get alone when we have a kid? And so what I've learned is I I gotta beat Charlie to the punch, what that means is I got to wake up earlier than she does. Or I got to plan for my evening time to be quiet. 
And so we got to do whatever we have to do to eliminate distractions. And I know I am, for one, not good at multitasking. If I'm going to spend time with Jesus, I'm going to recharge. It has to be doing that. And then the last thing is increase frequency. And so um, what I think about that is you might be meeting uh, with Jesus every morning. Uh, well, have you considered a- adding a lunchtime or a p.m. time or adding more time, whether you're going from five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 minutes? I believe that when we begin to practice intimacy, undistracted time, added frequency and volume, we're going to start to experience a life of overflow. Does that make sense? For the second habit um, and last habit that I want to share with you today is this, less comparing, more contentment. Write that down. Less comparing, more contentment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Paul writes this, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Translation, Paul says, comparison is foolish. (laughs) It's foolish. It's not wise. Why? Because for two reasons. First of all, comparison just, um, it it just, uh, it ignores the fact that God made you to be you. Rick Warren says this, God only makes originals. Human beings make clones. If God wanted a different version of you around, he would have never made you or he would have made a lot more twins. But God didn't. He made you to be unique. And when we compare ourselves, we reject the uniqueness that God has made in our DNA. And the second reason why comparison is foolish is it's only going to end up doing two things in your heart, in your mind, in your actions. The first one is discouragement. Comparison is only going to discourage you. And here's why. You're always going to find someone who is better at you in something. You're always going to find someone who is more intelligent, more capable, uh, more charismatic than you, more, more good at whatever niche you want to be at. If you look hard enough, if you compare long enough, you're going to find someone who's just simply better. And that's just going to discourage you. And the second thing that, that uh, comparison does is it, it creates pride. Because the opposite can happen. If you look hard enough, you're always going to find someone that you're doing better than. And then you're going to puff up and say, well, at least I'm not like that person. And so Paul says, this is all foolish. He says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for whoever makes you different from anyone else, what do you have that you did not receive? How can we boast when everything good has been given to us? And this challenge of not comparing friends, isn't it so difficult in the digital age? I mean, the saying used to say that we we would compare ourselves with the... um, we would compare ourselves with the Joneses, right? What, what's the, uh, the saying there? It says, uh, keeping up with the Joneses, right? You guys remember saying that? I remember hearing that as a kid, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, today, because of the internet, we got to not only keep up with the Joneses, but we got to keep up with the Gonzaleses and the Changs, <laughs> right? We got to keep up with everyone. And let me tell you, um, it's hard to feel good 
about your life when you're watching the reel of your best friend's vacation in Hawaii while you're on your second bowl of Cheerios in your underwears. <laughs> like, that's, you're never going to win. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Let me pour another bowl and see who, who else is living a great life, right? Have you made that mistake? I have. Because what do we do when we compare ourselves on social media? Here's what we do. We ultimately are looking at everyone's highlights, everyone's top 10 plays, while we're experiencing our bloopers. Because I don't know about you, my best life has not been on social media. Like, my best moments in life is when I'm doing what? I'm living. And so social media has just added to this anxiety and this feeling of us not being good enough. And you just got to ask yourself, how great do you feel after 30 minutes of scrolling through Instagram? How great do you feel? And so the answer is less comparing and more contentment. And this is what I want to drive home. How can we increase the volume in contentment well, King Solomon, uh, who was considered one of the wisest men to ever live, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4.6. I say it is better to be content with what little you have. Otherwise, you will always be struggling for more, and that is like chasing the wind. Everyone say chasing the wind. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about like my fourth grade self. I grew up in Central California in a small town called Pixley. And if you don't know the area, just think of flat and dry, flat and dry. And so uh, I had this common experience while I was enjoying my favorite subject, also known as recess at the time, <laughs> where me and my buddies, we'd be playing our game, whatever game it was, and we'd all stop because we were all witnessing what I know as a dust devil. Some of you are nodding your heads, right? A dust devil, it's like a small tornado, tornado, right? And so this was a fascinating thing for a fourth grader. And so what did we do? All of us. We stopped what we were doing and we ran to try to jump into that <laughs> dust devil. And let me tell you, for years, none of us had success. And it was like this unmet desire in my fourth grade heart. <laughs> I so much wanted to be in that dust devil. And there was the day, right moment, right time. I was close enough. I was aware enough. The dust devil touched to earth. And I, all I had to do was take a few steps. And I began to experience this thing that I had been longing for. <laughs> And what do you think that experience was like? <laughs> it was dust in my face. <laughs> and it didn't take me long to realize how foolish I had been, how, how much energy I had put in this experience that only led for me to have to go and wash up, right? And I think King Solomon, is, he's describing this. He's describing that when you're not content and you're chasing for more, you're wanting more, you're like, you're chasing the wind, you're trying to have an experience that's not going to end up like you thought it would. I mean, how often have you had that where you pursued a relationship that you, you thought was going to change your life, and then when you had it, it actually made it worse? 
How often have we chased a career opportunity or some kind of status symbol, and once we get it, we realize, man, it does not satisfy. And so Paul then directs us not to chase these things, but to experience a relationship, contentment found in a person. And if you've been in church long enough, you know that the right answer is always Jesus. And so if you and I want to be more content, then we need to increase our trust, our belief, our value and meaning to who Jesus said we are. And so Paul, in in verse 4, chapter 4 in Philippians, he says this, he says these words, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I know a lot of you thought that Tim Tebow wrote that, right? (laughs) That verse has nothing to do with making touchdowns. And it has everything to do with having this experience where I know what it's like to be hungry and have plenty. I know the secret. The secret is finding my value and strength and desires in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today with these closing thoughts as I invite the band to come up. If you are someone who comes here today and you can relate to the Christmas tree experience that I had, where you're looking at life and you're just overstressed, you're overburdened, you're toiling, you're grabbing, you are pursuing something of significance that's going to give you peace. If you're here today and you've not tried Jesus, if you've not taken him up on his invitation to be your peace, to be your pursuit, to be your healing, then I want to give an opportunity for you. Because why not you begin this experience of overflow this morning? And so I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and as we stop and ponder where we are. I again just want to invite that person or persons. If you want to experience the overflowing life for the first time, then Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is inviting you to saying yes to him. And so with every head bowed down, we're just going to give you a chance. If that's you, we're just going to ask you to look up at me. You and I, we're going to agree, and the heavens are going to be our witness. If you want to say yes to Jesus, to his peace, to this life of overflow, just look up at me and we will agree together. There's anyone in the room who wants to experience the overflow and you can say yes right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you looking up at me? Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, we pray for those of us who are saying yes to you and the life you give. Lord, thank you for allowing us to recognize that on our own, we're not enough. On our own, we will always lack. Thank you that you have made the difference, that you have offered forgiveness of sins through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the sacrifice he gave on the cross that here today makes a difference in an individual's life who is saying, I want Jesus. I want the life of overflow that he has. Would you receive those in the room that are saying yes to you. For the rest of us, oh, would you stir us in this season a new desire to recharge with you, to eliminate distractions, to seek you each and every opportunity that we have. And Lord, would you remove this heart of comparison And instead, would you replace it with this heart of contentment? Contentment not as settling in the world standards, but settling into a relationship with you and finding all strength and value. Help us to experience more contentment as we experience this life of overflow. We thank you that it is by your goodness that we live and we move and we praise In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna invite you to stand up as we sing this last song that declares a heart of thanks to Jesus and all that he's done for us.